are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what's going on, sir? Happy Friday. Uh, Friday of a bye week. Man, I mean, this is uh, about as free and easy as we're going to get in the uh, in the regular season mm. week. So uh, I, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited. to. You know, it's. I love Cowboys football. Obviously, I do a uh, daily podcast on it. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's always nice, you know, to actually have a Sunday to watch football without the kind of butterflies and like concerns about the game. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm really excited just to sit down and watch the games all week and not have any n- nervousness at all. It should be it should be a lot of fun. Uh, so today, Landon, we've got a special episode because. It's the bye week, so we can answer some more of your Twitter questions, and we got a little fun segment at the end for you guys. But uh, let's get to some questions, and this first one is from Jacob, and I think it's a really good question. Uh, he wants to know, how badly does do the Cowboys need the number one seed? Is is it enough to have the number two seed and home field advantage through the first two rounds, or do they need to make it a priority to try to be the number one seed? I mean, I— I think it's as much of a priority as it is for, for any team. You know, I, I, yeah. there's obviously benefits to being the number one team and especially with the changes in, in the playoff scenarios and stuff. Um, you know, I, I think the Cowboys should be shooting for it. Absolutely. Cause they're, they're certainly within striking distance as we stand currently, we have a long way to go two thirds of the season left, but I think that it certainly should be what they're, what they're going for. But if they don't, if they, you know, if they end up being the second seed or something like that, or the third seed, um, it's 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 definitely not as good. I think you know the second the second seed is is pretty close. You know, I, I the difference between the first and the second seed really may be negligible, especially this year, depending on who the NFC wild card teams are, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it's just an extra game, though. That's that's so big, though, right? Having to play one more game. I don't see. I think you can make an argument that those bye weeks are dangerous at times, you know, because you could, they, they, they can be dangerous. However, we've seen like over the last decade, like the number one seed makes it to the Super Bowl like 66% of the time. And I know that's because typically the number one seed is the best team in the, the best conference, team right? In football, but, yeah. but when you just have one fewer game that you can possibly slip up in, sure. I think it, it matters. Now there's a, there's a question that I, I lost where it's at, but, uh, basically the question was if the Cowboys aren't going to be the number one seed, at what point do you start managing some of the snaps of these guys? Like for example, I, the, the listener pointed out Amari Cooper, it's pretty clear he's compromised right now with what, at least three different injuries, a knee, a foot or a, a knee, a hamstring and a, uh, ankle, uh, I think. A, an ankle injury. Like at what point do you say, Hey, Amari, listen, we're, let's say we're nine and two. Why don't you just take the week off or take two weeks off? Let's let Michael Gallup and some of these other guys get more run. Is that something you start to consider? I think you have to be really careful doing that stuff. And and honestly, it goes back to what I what I was just talking about. Like I think there's an element of 
trying too hard to like you know get your guys extra rest that is borderline taking your foot off the gas right like and and i think that that's that's i think it is just as much of a problem as having to play an extra game is that in the playoffs when you get to the end of the year you become a well-oiled machine you know and, and at least the good teams do um and so I think there is something to the idea that there is a certain amount of diminishing returns in losing a week, especially that time of year when you're kind of really battle testing yourself. So you start doing it now. I I think that that's something that should be considered. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you're going to do kind of maintenance on these guys, I think there is a concern that, you know, it's, I personally think that there is benefits to doing it earlier in the season uh, and then kind of really just ha- have them in their dead sprints by the end of the year and and, and just not pulling them out of that. I, I think that they're, we've seen it with Cowboys teams in the past, I think, where they've gone in, they've, they've gotten an opportunity to either get a bye or they've rest their starters week 17, mm-hmm. and then they come into those games flat and they've had problems. Now, part of that could be the, the problem with those specific teams, but it's not just the Cowboys that have this problem, you know, so – I think that there is a very difficult balance between not playing your starters uh, and making sure that they're still kind of fully in the rhythm of their offensive defensive game plans uh, by the end of the season. I'm curious to see what happens with a few of these guys once like Neville Gallimore comes back and Michael Gallup and Kelvin Joseph. Like, do they scale back the snaps for Trevon Diggs? Do they scale back Amari Cooper snaps or – or not. I mean, I, I think this is the time to start thinking about that, especially Odig- with a couple of the guys that are really banged up. Odigi Zua is the guy that I think about, you yeah, know, he's because playing he's playing a ton of snaps and he's a rookie. So yep. I would say when Gallimore comes back, if you could figure out a, a defensive tackle rotation that you can get away with for a little while, it would probably behoove them to give Osa some re- either reduced snap games mm-hmm. or just like a, you know, a week off here and there because that is something you know less so with the, some of the other positions that the rookies and the young players are playing in but defensive tackle is such a brutal position well, to play for that many snaps for that long the other one i would say is randy gregory because i know gregory yeah. missed week two because of covid but he's been dealing with a knee injury for a while now and because they just haven't had the depth because of demarcus lawrence being hurt Dorrance armstrong being hurt uh bradley and i missing two games because of covid Gregor's had to play a lot of snaps, so he's another one you might want to scale back his snaps. Not a ton. Like, I'm not saying 25 snaps a game, but he doesn't need to be playing 95% of the snaps going forward, right? Yeah, you, you hope that Armstrong coming back will give you know him more opportunity to kind of get yep. some some lower snap count games, to say, yep. I guess is the best way to say it. And then eventually, you know, and maybe that's the benefit to kind of slow playing Lawrence, right, is that – if you get Lawrence all the way right before you bring him back, then you can just feed him a whole bunch of snaps once he's back not, and the rest of the other guys. So what was the initial timetable? Did they say eight to ten weeks for Lawrence, right? That sounds right, yeah. I really don't want to see Lawrence until after Thanksgiving at the very earliest. I, I just – I those foot injuries can be so yeah. bad. There's absolutely no rush to try to get him back on the field. I would just rather have him ready to go by January rather than trying to get him back in week 14 or whatever. It just, it does not make a difference. So I need him at the end of the year. I, I need him when you're playing Aaron Rodgers in the second round of the playoffs to make the game winning right. sack. Right. 
That's right. Oregon yeah. Stafford, which he's done before. Uh, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break so I can tell you guys again about Bet Online. We are back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the website. Uh, and use their updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the easiest and fastest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, Landon, I, I got to pick on these two people that sent us questions. I'm going to read these back to back. These are different ones. This one's from Evan. There's been a big debate recently about how much credit Mike McCarthy should be getting for this team's success mm. so far this season. This is an honest question I'm actually curious about. What is, exactly does he do besides clock management speeches and press conferences? Kellen calls the plays. Next question. From This one's from Big Sauce. Why does Mike McCarthy not get any credit? Everyone nitpicks his game management. It's not perfect, but most other coaches have the same issues weekly. It's just a lazy thing to harp on. So, what are your thoughts on Mike McCarthy and the credit that he deserves? I think that the second question is more correct. I, I, I think I would agree. I think that he's not getting enough credit, and I think that it's there is it's easy. Look, some of you guys, some of you guys clearly have shown that you weren't alive or watching football for the Andy Reid Philadelphia Eagles, because <laughs> oh, it was the biggest thing on it. It's still, I mean, we, it's still we a problem with him. how bad he was at the end of games. It's still a problem with him. Yeah. And, and and look, it's one aspect of these uh, of these of coach head coaching that you know there's there is so much that goes into being a head coach. You know, you organize every single aspect of what the players do every day. Well, you're, that's you're, what I was gonna say. Coaching isn't just a Sunday job, right? No. Being a good coach is being a good coach Monday through Saturday. And there's as you mentioned, there's so much stuff between practices getting the right practice schedule uh dealing with players personalities and knowing how to best motivate them dealing with the egos of coaches right like that's a big thing we don't talk about at all and it seems like mike mccarthy's got a pretty good idea of how to deal with that kind of stuff right there's I mean, a look, lot that goes into coaching it would have been really easy for mike mccarthy to come in here and tell kellen moore you know this isn't how we're running this offense exactly you know, or we're doing this I mean, we're not giving him enough credit for the fact that he had some flexibility here. And, you know, I'm really tired of ex-Packer fans who happen to be commenting on Cowboys constantly of, of projecting their own, you know, failures of, of Packerdom when he was there, despite the fact that they won the Super, Super Bowl with the guy. You know, and, and, and yeah, it's like yeah. I understand the Aaron Rodgers worship and that Aaron Ro – like how can you only win one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers – Let's not pretend that Aaron Rodgers is absolutely infallible all the time. All right. He is a roller coaster himself. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and look, say what you will about Aaron Rodgers, not a terribly likable guy, you know? So, he, so his coach was ask able to family. kind of hold that deep, hold, yeah, ask his family, <laughs> uh, which is part of the reason that, he, you know, his coach was able to kind of hold that team together. Look, obviously it went sour with, with the Packers to the point where, the Packers you know, front office and a bunch of other people were leaking terrible things about McCarthy that may or may not be true. I have a hard time and I, and you and I have discussed this, you know, privately, I have a hard time 
you know, resolving the the uh, the criticism around Mike McCarthy about you know he's lazy, but blah, blah 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 blah. Except the results don't seem to match any of that. No, right? No. Like the actual results in the field. They don't seem to match any of that. He did a great job of training uh, training camp. Clearly, look how this team came out of training camp in a way that yep. they haven't in years, and 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 that complaint also, you know, combined with the end of game stuff, like those are two completely different things. So I don't understand how you're associating one with the other. My larger point on this is that this team is five and one. And everyone's talking about, oh, God, Kellen Moore is going to leave to go be a head coach. And listen, I, I think Kellen Moore, if you're giving me the choice, I would rather have Kellen Moore as my head coach than sure. Mike McCarthy next year. But that isn't to say that Mike McCarthy doesn't deserve credit for his team being 5-1. and one. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous, guys. And, and if you can't give like Mike McCarthy some credit for the fact that he took, what was it like, 10 years worth of green Bay teams to the playoffs or something like that. Something ridiculous. Like it's just, it's just really like, you know, Cowboys fandom has this ability to look past mounds and mounds of evidence to find the one thing that they think is wrong. And then harp on that to the point where they can, you know, confuse yeah. themselves into thinking that the, the subject of the, of the, of the conversation is bad. Because they, they can't do this one thing. And th the, this one thing that I've determined is the most important thing is the only determining factor on whether a you know player or coach, whatever it is, is, is good. And I think that's it's happening yes. right now with Mike McCarthy. How easy would it have been for Mike McCarthy just to get into Jerry Jones's office, drop his ring on the table and say, we're doing it my way. We're going to run the defense that I used when I won the Super Bowl. I'm going to call the plays because that's what I did when we won the Super Bowl and we're going to run my offense. And he didn't do any of that. Like he lets Dan Quinn run his defense or run, like whatever defense Dan Quinn wants to run in whatever situation he wants to run it. He can. Now I know the argument as well. Isn't that just being lazy? He's, you know, he's basically delegating all of his jobs. That's what a head coach does, right? Like that's what a head coach in, does. it's what a good manager or a good boss does is they put people in situations they trust and they kind of let them do their jobs. It's, it's it sounds simple, but it's really really hard for these head coaches to let go of control. And I think McCarthy's done a really good job of that so far. I think one of the the good things that Jason Garrett was doing at certain points was was day to day management. I thought that yes. that was one of the strengths that uh, Jason Garrett had. Having said that, Jason Garrett put serious clamps on Kellen Moore. Yes. Do you see Mike McCarthy doing that? No, I don't. <laughs> No, so, I and actually I think it's the opposite. He's I think he's kind of helping him open up as a play caller, right? Absolutely. He's giving him confidence, like, hey, if it doesn't work, that's okay. We're we're trying different things. We're we're trying to be a more explosive offense rather than, hey, let's kind of rein things back in. We're getting a little too wild, Kellen. It doesn't seem like that's the, the case at all, right? Yeah, and again, I, I you know if you're if you're judging a head coach solely on their fourth quarter decisions, I mean. Andy Reid is just the best example. There are literally hundreds of or, Hall of Fame level coaches that have the, that have these problems. I mean, heck, the Hall of Fame coach we just played last week had this problem. So, <laughs> how, about you know, last, how about last Sunday? He punted three different times on fourth and two or less. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, even the stats. Like, if you go look at uh, Ben Baldwin's numbers and like the uh, comparison of decision making versus what the fourth down bot tells you. I think Dallas is number two or yeah, something like number that. Two. So, number two. Yep. 
what what are we doing here, guys? Doing? <laughs> like, I mean, uh, let's give Mike McCarthy some credit for this five and one start that we're enjoying. Right now. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Next question. This one kind of ties into what we're talking about. Uh, this one is from uh, at Ball from Grace. He wants to know how much has the Kellen Moore offense evolved since the 2019 season? It feels like it, it existed within the confines of Garrett in 2019, but wasn't fully realized in 2020 but has fully evolved this year. What have you seen in the differences between Kellen Moore? You know, shout out to ball from grace. Cause he's a, he's a great follow as well. Yeah. Um, he, I've seen, uh, first of all, it's, it's more that it's just all available to them all the time. The Cowboys have had, you know, I don't know that we've seen outside of some of the trick plays, you know, that are obviously, you know, very visible and, and we all yeah. point new yeah. and all. The offense is largely constructed of plays that the Cowboys have had in their playbook for a decade. Yeah, it's, a long just, time. Uh, it's just the sequencing of them, right? It's the sequencing and it's the willingness to call plays, you know, uh, at certain times that you know, previously we wouldn't. And, and, and the, the ratio of run to pass, the, the, the timing of it, the in-game, you know, per-game game planning against an opponent uh it's it's a different philosophy it's it's you know viewing through a different pair of glasses so yeah i, I think you know part of what happened since what's that's happened since 2019 is that 2019 was you know kellen's was kellen's first year calling plays calling right plays, yeah. yeah and then 2020 you know was the year that obviously that that was supposed to you know kind of take a step forward and evolve some and the, and the problem was obviously with covid it's tougher to kind of you know, really drive home those plays and figure out what's what's good in your playbook when you're all working from home, right? So I think that the opportunity to actually have a full training camp, having a year, two plus two year, two plus years under his belt for Kellen, uh, I think that, and then obviously, you know, they, they've got maybe top two, top three quarterback in the NFL right now. So uh, I, I think all those things coming together with, uh, and listen, Give Jason Garrett and some other these folks credit for developing a, a decade's worth of mm-hmm. very complicated and very uh, uh, robust run game uh, options in there, right? Like they run power, pin and pull, lots of zone, uh, you know, man. So I think having that kind of built in with an offensive line that's been practicing that well since even before Kellen's been here. Uh, that provided another opportunity, and Kellen was not uh, afraid to, to leverage that uh, in the run game. And again, another guy who, real quick, needs needs a shout out that has never gotten any, and or def or has gotten very little, and definitely deserves more, is Joe Philbin. Joe mm, Philbin yes. has done a yes. hell of a job as offensive yep. line coach and as a run game coordinator uh, in designing these game plans and also developing these offensive line. Uh, just a couple things on Kellen before we move on. I, I really like how the game plan just adjusts depending on the opponent. Like against yeah. the Chargers, they just ran the crap out of the ball that game, right? And then against the Patriots, they're throwing the ball 50 times. And it's not, hey, we're going to line up and do what we do be- best. It's we're going to tailor a game plan around what the opponent is going to give us, right, and what they can't stop. So I really appreciate that. I also have a hot take for you, Landon. I think last year was good for Kellen Moore in some ways because it taught him how to call a game on offense when everything's not perfect around him, right? Like we saw a game against Atlanta where they were missing both offensive tackles and they still put up 40 points. Um, We saw at the end of the year, like I know there was a lot of quarterback problems, but at the end of the year, the Cowboys were putting up points. Like 
Week 14, 30 against Cincinnati. Uh, week 15, 41 against the 49ers. Week 16, 37 against the Eagles. And that's all with Andy Dalton playing quarterback. So I think it, I think that season helped Kellen Moore find ways to to put up points despite maybe the offensive line not being perfect. The running back's not running really well. So I, I think it was good for him. I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I think, you know, effective human beings find a way to grow from adversity. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what we saw is that this was a terrible season for a lot of different people, but on several different fronts, not just the coach, the Cowboys coaches, mm-hmm. but Cowboys, certain Cowboys players as well were able to, take the lessons that they learned from what was an awful season and grow from it. And I think that's, I mean, that's not, that's all, that's all you can ask for a a football player, but that's also all you can ask for a human being that's going through terrible things, right? It's just to try to find a way to learn from it and grow from it. And I, obviously I agree. Kellen Moore has done a lot of that based on what was a, a disaster year last year. All right, let's take one more quick break so I can tell you guys about McDonald's. This episode of the Lockdown Cowboys podcast is brought to you by McDonald's proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family come or from the community can come together. A big thank you to all of our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. You get that every time. You laugh. I'm loving it, man. I'm loving you singing the song. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, You know what we also love? Bill Bar. Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. It's hard to even explain it. It's real chocolate with amazing flavors and just a great combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar with Mm. no crazy additives. Best of all, they taste fantastic. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you will get 15% off your next box at BuiltBar.com. Get the coconut crunch. Yes, that's a good one. Uh, all right, we we have a, a fun little segment for you today, Landon. Uh, I didn't even tell you what this is, so it's going to surprise no you a little bit. Um, we are getting close to Halloween. It's what oh next boy. week. Uh, we're going to be busy with some game prep against Minnesota, so we're not going to get a chance to talk about Halloween too much. So mm. I want you to rank your top five candy bars on the show right now. So not not like oh, recent not not Mike and Ike. So I want your candy bars. We're taking Built Bar out of this because it's not yeah, a Built Bar's number right? one, of course. <laughs> okay, yeah, obviously. Oh, dude, you really got me. Um, Would you like me to go first? Yeah, you go first. And are we going five to one or what's? Yeah, give, give me, give me. You your can do five on. to one. Yeah, that's you okay, can do five okay. to one. Uh, I made okay. a little oh list right God, here that you, you can got a list. That's amazing. All right, cool. <laughs> so I'll break it down ten through one. It's Kit Kat at number ten, Snickers at number nine, Payday at number eight. Take five at seven, a hundred grand at six. Twix is at five. Reese's fast break at four. Reese's cups at three. Milky Way at two. And at number one, the greatest candy bar of all time, Heath Bar. Thoughts? Uh, well, I think I've only ever had one Heath Bar in my life. What? Maybe Do I've they only not have had... them out in California. No, they have them. It's oh, okay. <laughs> yes, they have. They have them in California. <laughs> my mother-in-law. Uh, no, it's. It... <laughs> They, you know, hundred grand is another one that I think I've only had. That's the one that's like covered in peanuts and it's car- caramel, right? Or uh, yeah, I kind of. Yeah. Hundred grand, yeah. Uh, that one's pretty good. I don't, I don't even know what the Reese's Fast Break is. I've never even. Oh, you need that. to try it. It's like uh, they they basically break up Reese's cups and they put it in, and it has a little bit of like a nougat in there. It's really oh, good, man. All right, so I'll give you my. Uh, I, well, Milky Way is disgusting. I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, you I, I'll whoa, give you. My... Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's it's chocolate and caramel. Uh, 
it's I don't like it. Uh, oh, you know what? You know what? I, I'm sorry. I take that back. I always get Milky Way and uh, uh, Snickers. No, no, Three Musketeers. Oh um, yeah, yeah. No. We don't. Yeah. Nobody likes Three Musketeers. Nobody it's likes. Okay, so I'll give you my five because I don't know, man. I, I don't think I can do ten. So uh, five would be Snickers. Okay. Four would be Kit Kat. Three would be uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Two okay. would be Nestle Crunch. Mm, that's I'm a, a good big one. Nestle Crunch fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number one is without a doubt uh, almond joy. Uh, I I love <laughs> coconut. So uh, so all right. Well, you need to explain something to me. What is the difference between an almond joy and mounds? Are they very nuts. similar? Almonds. That's the that's all it is. Is yeah. Almond, almond joys have nuts. Mounds. It's the it's like the ad says, Marcus. Hey, by the way, almond joy. If you guys want to hit us up on uh, <laughs> to get a sponsorship, I I'll do the jingle. Almond joy's got nuts. Mounds don't. That's that's the okay. difference. So. I see. I didn't even know. Yeah, there you go. Now okay. you, just listen to the jingle. That's all you got to do. It'll, okay, it'll so guide the, you to your candy choice. The, the, the next question I have for you, what is the worst candy bar out there? Because I think Three Musketeers is close. It's terrible. Uh, Mike's and, Mike and Ice, man. I don't like candy do bar. Not, that's like just – Oh, I guess yeah, we're doing candy bar. Okay. Um, How about – do you like Baby Ruth's? No. Baby Ruth is terrible. That's <laughs> that's That's another one that's terrible um anything with like weird like nougat that's not like good yeah, see, you know, I, it's i'm not like, a huge nougat fan it just depends yeah but. yeah i i like chocolate and crunch that's that's kind of my my you know uh uh two two big uh okay. elements that i'm looking i can't believe you've for. you've only had a heath bar once in your life go buy one this weekend and enjoy yourself I mean, it's Halloween, so it's it's the time for trying candy, I guess, right? So, all right. So, I, I am a new dad this year, uh, and we are going to a Halloween party. So, what's the rule on stealing candy if you're a dad from your from your daughter? The uh, how conscious are they? You know, because I mean, if if, if they if they don't even know the difference, if they're just drooling on themselves, you know, like 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 uh, like your daughter is, then it's just oh, well, she loves suckers. Like every time I have a sucker, she just pulls it out of my mouth and puts it right. Well, in hers. see, then yeah, I mean, then that's out of the realm. But as long as you can just sneak <laughs> out of the 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 you know pumpkin head uh, yeah. you know candy thing holder that you've got, as long as you can sneak it without her noticing, uh, you know, up until uh, how old is my daughter? Seven. Seven is how old he continued to steal candy from. Yeah, I would just, I mean, at that age, I'd just say, oh, these Heath bars, they're no good. You don't, they're gonna hurt your teeth. You don't want that one. Oh, that's usually the excuse we use too is, oh, <laughs> eating this much candy is not good for you. That's why we're going to put it in the shelf. And then meanwhile, while she's asleep, we just steal little bits of it uh, here and there. I don't know what happened to all the candy, sweetie. You must have eaten yes. it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so we want to hear your your top five candy bars. Please leave yes. us a five-star review. Leave your uh, your answers uh, in there in the comment section. I would love to hear. I would like to hear if you guys think I'm ridiculous for putting Heath at number one. Uh, do we have me. some baby ruth fans like do are there people out there that like no baby ruth? I, please everybody that's please. over the age of like 75 that like they have leave a really, review they have leave a review and tell us. A soft candy bar or something that's what they have to eat <laughs> oh gross uh, all right uh follow in at mccool bcb you can follow the show at locked on cowboys i'm at marcus underscore mosher enjoy the bye week we'll see you guys next time